Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, you can subscribe at My Best Eleven Pod and leave us a five star rating. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at My Best Eleven Pod. Email My Best Eleven Pod at gmail.com. Welcome to My Best Eleven podcast. Today we are joined by a midfielder who played at Luton, um, Oxford, Torquay and Bristol Rovers and is currently managing um, and currently um, in charge at Gloucester City if I'm not mistaken. Today we're joined by Lee Mansell. How are you Lee? Very well thank you, very well. Fantastic. Excited for it, excited for it. That's what we like to hear, that's what we like to hear. Marvin? How are you? Andrew, I'm great. Mance, how are you? We've got someone someone today who could run for fun, by the way. I don't want to get the odds threatened for me that I was going to punch his head off if he keeps running as far as he must be getting pre-season. So it was was all meant in a joke, by the way. But like, no, Mance had like um, an abundance of energy, but like he had the ability to back it up as well. So it's great to have him on. Fantastic, fantastic. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to go through Lee's best 11 players he's ever set foot on a pitch with. Um, That can be his own take, so not necessarily the best technically. It can also be the best, um, the way they're obviously personality-wise and clicking as well as a system. So we'll jump straight in and we'll hand straight over to you, Lee. What formation have you gone for? And being a manager now, what's kind of, around this formation square pegs round holes or yeah well, so, <laughs> so I haven't gotten anything too off the bat I've just gone for a straight 4-4-2 to be honest with you and the teams consisted of basically really good lads lads you lads you'd, you'd want beside you you'd want to go to war with um so Marv you're not in there uh, you weren't going to go well for you. Is that because Marv, Marv will have to go on his on his crutches? You can't quite get a wheelchair through the... Through the um... I've seen him play tennis as well, him and Bucks. So I should catch it on on Instagram and that. So he's not moving great at the minute. <laughs> okay. Look, he doesn't know what to say. That's warned him up to there, isn't it? No, 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 no. Because I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the office and, and like someone's just come in and he's just like just doing some work and so... I got distracted. So, no, but I was, I was just about to say, Manson, at least, at least now Manson de- developed a sense of humour in his old age. That's great. <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite good for you, Manson. That's not bad for me. <laughs> that's, as best as it's gonna, that's as best as it's going to get. <laughs> when you're coming through, who was the best to give him back? Were you, the, were you in the away dressing room when you were coming through then, Manson? Uh, no, not at really. Three. That... No, like you used to have the kids in your way and the, and the kind of the old hats used to be in the, in the home dressing room at Kenilworth Road. Just during training and stuff. Yeah. So when, when we were at, um, apprentices, there was a little room by the boot room. Do you remember it, Marv? And it was like, yeah. a, that was where the YTs went and changed. And you dare ever, ever go near that first team dressing room. If you, if you walked in there and you weren't invited in or hollered in, right, all hell was going to break loose. <laughs> Like holiday, yeah, you were literally the door would go open and you'd get like Mance, and that was it. You, you made sure you got there sharpish as well. And uh, yeah, so you, you go in, and even then, when you've been called in, you're still fearing for your life. It was just what it was just weren't environments, it was just brilliant. 
And uh, when you look, when you look back at it now, it's scary at the time, um, but it was re really good for grounding as well. But it was just, yeah, I think once I then broke in, then I was allowed into the the first team changing room, and it got to the fact, it got to the point right at the, I think it was just under Mike Newell. There were so many bodies in there. <laughs> a couple of us went and took ourselves to the away team changing room. There's like myself and Hills and and Forbesy come over and that. Um, yeah, I was going to say it's. You know, it was one of them where we started off, you start off in your different changing rooms and then you come back. So you had your, your YT room and then if you made your debut or you signed pro or something like that, you, you you go into the home team one and then with the numbers grew, kind of got phased out a little bit and ushered into the away team. Is that kind of the, the semi-rule? I know it's obviously not black and white and stuff, but is that was that the rule then? Once you signed pro or, or, played, a professional, or played a game, made your debut, then you're allowed in there. Was that what it was? Or did you have to earn your stripes in another way? I mean, sing a song on top of the changing room table or something? Like a lot no, of... <laughs> no, I, ne I never did that, actually. I did never you do did that, that, man? I, did, I didn't do that. Um, why? I, did, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> that, I don't know what the crack was with that, but we didn't do it. But I think when I first broke in, I was still an apprentice. So I was still... So I was still playing. I was so I was playing for the first team, but also still doing the jobs as well. So I was still in it. I think we were in for like normally half past eight in the morning. You make sure your pros boots were done, all your jobs were squared away, or you can have John Moore after you. Uh, Lowy would then get after you if you weren't doing it as well. And I, I still changed in that YTS room. Um, and that, that, you know that was a good grounding as well because you were still with your mates even though you were, you know, you, you were actively obviously training and playing with the first team at the same time. Yeah. Um, but that, so that was that was really good because it is quite quite easy to get carried away a little bit. You see it with the younger ones come now; they play a couple of games and they think they've made it. But they're driving again, around; they're going shopping for a Ferrari after two games and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the, I remember it, my debut was after Q, it was QPR, and then um, the, the very next day, I think the, the day was it was supposed to be a day off, and uh, John Moore got me in, and uh, so we got, I think we got back quite late. And yeah, John got me in, but everyone was off because I think it was a Wednesday and he basically just got me in, sat down, had a really, really good conversation and stuff. Look, you continue to do your jobs and stuff. Nothing's guaranteed. If you get called up again, go and take the opportunity sort of thing. So there was no, there was no like time for reflection on it or to get big for your boots, so to speak. It was literally a case of back in on that Thursday, half eight, do your jobs, get them done. And uh, yeah, it was really good. Fantastic. Fantastic. So yeah, what we're going to do is we can jump in and start off with the crazy town of goalkeeper. And give uh, us some clues. Like I said, like you, you're going to try and some, guess, yeah? Yeah, you can give some honorable mentions. You like of, you, of, never, of, you never played that low, Marv. So you, <laughs> you never played what? my levels. What you're going to guess them. What, this is what, what I mean. mean. I was wondering yeah. this. Man, <laughs> you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't bungee down in the conference, mate. You didn't go and do oh, no, the no, 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 You were just. I wasn't. You were, no, you were too, you were too busy football league. I wasn't. I wasn't in the conference. No, no, that is true. But listen, there's nothing, man. It's still. It's still a credible game. So listen, you can't. Uh, like, that it is, mate. You can't diss. So listen, we have to do our research. So don't underestimate us. People have said that before. Um, you're not going to get these, but just give us some honourable mentions if you want to of some players who right. it's not, and then you can say this player, blah blah blah, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So the goalkeeper I've picked, he started off at Swindon. He had a spell at Northampton. He also played at Millwall uh, and Leighton Orient, and I played with him at Bristol Rovers. Andrew? 
You'd love doing thrown at him because he doesn't have a clue, so he makes me look stupid. <laughs> That's literally what just happened there. He was going. Don't, don't pretend no you're not secretly googling right now. No, here no, is the bus. Here is the bus. No, He's throwing me under it. <laughs> no, at the moment I haven't got a solid name in my head, but I've got an idea of someone. But there's one club that's thrown it from me for, for me, which I don't. I didn't think he played that, but. That's why I said Andrew to see if I can give myself time to think. Yeah. <clears throat> no, yeah. I'm sitting this one out. I'll sit the goalkeeper. Sitting the goal. You I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one in, and I, I don't think it's him, right? But I'm gonna yeah. say his name. Kevin Miller. No. Steve Mildenor. No, no, I should have got that as well. You should have got that one. I should have got big, you, big but, old. But you do, he's about the same age as you. Yeah, no, 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 he's, no, he's, he's um yeah, he, he's currently Swindon's goalkeeping coach now at the moment right. and uh, we played together at Rovers and don't, don't get me wrong I've played with some really good keepers he's just just part of that Bristol Rovers team where we had a, some really good successful years he was a key component of it uh, and also brilliant off the pitch as well I mean he sorted us out if Mrs. used to work at Ralph Lauren we used to get 40% off bits and pieces he made it into my team because I got 40% off you know I'm tight mouth yeah exactly <laughs> my gosh <clears throat> Yeah, so, so he made it into the great shot stopper, had, had, a, had a brilliant career as well. Um, just an all-round, genuinely brilliant guy. You know, we went to Vegas on a promotion party when we got promoted from um, League Two. So the, the owner at the time, Wael Akadi, he paid for us all to go to Vegas. And, really? Uh, yeah, we, t- we turned up. All expenses paid, mine's great trip. Wow. And uh, yeah, we turned up there, put up the airport. Mildes lost his bag, didn't he? So his bag's on another flight. I think it ended up in Chicago or something. Oh, no, <laughs> so, so random. And uh, yeah, for, for, so for two days, he's walking around in the same gear. Um, he had to obviously borrow some budgie smugglers for the uh, pool parties and stuff. He was fuming with that. Absolutely fuming. It's tight, sod. He didn't buy no cover clothes. Ah, mate. He, you thought I was tight. He's tighter than me. He, he was <sighs> dressed. He would come in dressed head to toe. Right in Ralph Lauren gear, it was like he, it, even his socks, his shoes, the the pants, the, even the belt, Marv was Ralph Lauren. It was just, and he used to just go and hit like uh, Swindon Village. He used to go there in the outlet, <laughs> stock up. It was insane, fantastic. But so, are they are they quite common end of season parties? Uh, well, this was a promotion one. Promotion. Yeah, I mean, is it yeah. kind of? Does every club do that? Does um, I don't know if they still do. Now, were were I mean, you at Torquay when Torquay went up? Yeah, we went to we went to Maggers, so and but Bucks come with us. So obviously, I know you get on well with Bucks. Then mm. yeah, Bucks come with us. He, yeah, he was in the middle of um, Robinson Crusoe's and clapping, and God knows what. He was just yeah, just living the dream. He had about three beers, and that was him just conked off in the side, just full sunburn. Well, two more than he normally has. Then yeah, two more than he normally has. I mean, he, that. Yeah, again, that was just a, an, another really good... It's, it's brilliant promotion parties because like, you're still on the high from when you see, finish the season and everyone's absolutely buzzing and it's just just, just brilliant trips to be part of. And, oh, I don't suppose to it... get promoted, you have to be tight, don't you? You have to be a tight dressing room. To... Yeah, we, we had a... Like, I've got a couple of players in from, from Rovers. And, like, we were... Like, we all still speak now. Um, obviously, I've been retired for four years now. And uh, obviously, I only played there for three, but that dressing was something really, really special. Pretty, pretty much the same as like the Luton ones when you've got the, the promotions as well, Marvin. It, 
if you have tight right. connections within your changing rooms, like you, you can, you don't, you're not necessarily the best team, but because you've got such a camaraderie and you'll do absolutely everything for anyone, you just, you, you, that tends to get you through a lot. Um, so if you're devoid of quality, a good team ethos is, is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of, if you, if you talk to a lot of ex-players and, and you hear them talk about the, the successful times at the clubs, it, a lot of it is like they talk about the dressing room, they talk about the players, the camaraderie they have and what it brought for them into games. And like you hear numerous of times mean that sometimes it's a case that the players... You hear that the players run the run the club sort of thing, wouldn't it? One that means that they don't mean like as in like they're telling the manager what to do, but it means that they let it run smoothly. Like there was a time like similar to Newley, everyone knows Newley Mans was like firm but fair, but it was there's a t- there's times where he he got it in my opinion. It was like the lads did like not things which were like out of order, but it was like where another manager was going, oi. No, you're not going out, or you're not you're not doing that. But Lily was like, ah, go on, go and have a good night, yeah. or whatever sort of thing. And, and that's one of the reasons why I think some teams are successful. That's good. The players, basically. So what what I'm trying to get into Gloucester at the moment is the players take care of the changer in themselves, and that's pretty much if you get a successful team, then those players, you know, are pivotal to that because if you have good seniors, you end up with good juniors. And I was really fortunate coming through that I had I did have some really good seniors looking after me. Obviously, there was Marv, uh, Matty Spring, Paul McLaren, who, play, who played in the position I was coming through. You know, um, we we just had a really good. I had really good seniors that then looked after us, uh, coupled with the staff as well. But it, it was really it was a really good grounding for us coming through because you were never ever allowed to be too big for your boots. You were basically slapped back down into place really quickly. I think a lot of that's gone out of the the game nowadays, but with the soft nature of everything. So you kind of end up getting clones. So you lose that kind of personality a little bit and the standards, you know, throughout my career, I've been really hell bent on standards, but that was drilled from the apprenticeship of being at Luton. Like I said, playing in my debut and then next day I'm in with John Moore and then on the Thursday at half eight, I'm back doing the boots and stuff like that. And it was, you had to keep maintaining those standards and whatever you did, it was just... It's what, it's what I call the real world, man, that is. That's the real world. Yeah, a few of them don't know. They all want the Instagram. No, they don't. They don't. And then um, I was going to say, I'm glad the Instagram weren't around when we when we were coming through. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. So we'll move to right back. Yeah. So the right back now, the right back I've picked. Right, I I, I was tossing up between two, and I'll give you the one name. So I I, I was going to go with Ian Hillier. We play with him at Torquay, and it a really close. We, we were really close. There was there's four or five of us that were really close, tight knit group, and that would go away together and all that sort of stuff. And Ills was a great lad. I, I wonder if you can remember the when we tried to pin him down in the home team dressing room, Marv, and yes. shave his hair. We went through a time where I think it was Nico, and we were all basically beaming our hair off. I don't know what it was. Nico brought these shavers in. So that's only Nico could do. And Hilly had this, I don't know if you remember, he had these beautiful yeah. curtains, didn't he? He was, the, he was the Beckham boy, just, you know, the Welsh lad. He turned up in his Honda, whatever it was. It was, it was some coupe of some sort. Yeah. And it was just these beautiful locks. And we tried, to, we tried to pin him down. And I've never seen a bloke fight off six players, right? <laughs> six big blokes. I mean, you've got Stevie Howard trying to hold him. And he is going nuts. Absolutely nuts. And uh, in the end, he went, right, I'll do it, I'll do it. I went with him that afternoon. He went to Tony and Guy and got his hair cut. 
because he refused to get it shaved off because his wing backs were so bad. Now, now, now he's just shaved everything off. It's all gone. But at the time, you know, but he, he was just a, he was just a really good lad coming from Spurs, didn't he? He was just a, a yeah. great crack. Um, but the lad I picked for is currently at Luton. Uh, he's a Welsh international. A play with him at Rovers, uh, and he also had a spell at Charlton. Currently at Luton. Currently at Luton, playing at Luton. Go through the clubs again. So I played with him at Rovers. He went to Charlton. He's a Welsh international, and he's currently playing centre half for Luton. Centre half. Oh yeah. Oh. Um, Tom Lockyer. Yes, Locks. Yes. Really, really, really good bloke. Um, reminds me a lot of when I was young, coming through. Just, just trained that 100% all the time and everything would have to be a win you know and that was I love I love Lox's mentality he's one of them you would just you'd if you had him next in the trench you'd you'd be happy going over the wall with him he's just just a brilliant brilliant bloke and a fantastic human as well you know with from coming up through as an apprenticeship to then becoming a Welsh international as well I mean I can ring him tomorrow and he's like I got a picture off him the other day and he's plastering the ceiling so you know, it's just a just a just a really really top notch lad, and I'm so glad he's gone on to have the career that he's had because I think he deserves it. His work ethic is just second to none. Yeah, what right back? Because a lot, of, um, I mean, a lot of Luton fans know him only as centre back. Yeah, so when I first signed for Rovers, he was a bit of a utility player, and the year we got promoted, um, well, yeah, the year we got promoted, he played right back out of the conference. He played the whole season. I think he played 40-odd games and stuff. I mean, we, there was one game we played away at Barnet and um, I think it was John, Big John Akindi stuck an elbow straight into him and then uh, he went down. I remember going over to him and he's got blood filming out of his mouth. So I picked him up, gone, Locks, you're all right. And all I heard was, my tooth, my tooth, my tooth. And I'm going, I'm trying to understand him. And he's gone, no, my tooth. So I think to myself, right, his tooth's been knocked out. So I'm there combing the grass trying to find his tooth, right? And then he turns around, the physio washes out and both of his two front teeth have been knocked back and gone right into the roof of his mouth. Oh. Yeah. So as he's got the clock, and I'm, the, I'm basically, the, you can see it on the video, I'm there just combing through the grass trying to find his tooth that's fallen out. Obviously, he got his wa- oh. uh, mouth washed out. It was a hell of a mess. Like, oh. <laughs> But this is the kid. He would have just played through that. Yeah, so he had him fixed back in. He played with a gum shield for the next six, seven weeks, something like that. And he was just back to normal. I'd just say he's just an absolute warrior, the kid. Wow. So that, yeah. yeah, that's that's incredible. So, <laughs> uh, left back. Jesus. <laughs> Give us shivers up, mate. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was, yeah, it was hell of a mess. Um, so, left back. I played with him at Torquay. Uh, he had a good spell at Northampton. He started off at Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, yeah, played a lot of Forest Green. I know you'd ever know this. He's probably one of my best mates. Um, you know, just in life and from football as well. So you know, you're going to come up with his name. I don't know. Was it Kevin Nicholson? Yeah, it's Nico. Yeah, yeah, Nico. Just you know, there's other ones you can put in there. Like obviously, I played with Matty. Soul was another great mm-hmm. character, fantastic <clears throat> left back. Uh, I still maintain that was an unbelievable tackle on Carter <laughs> Fuller. <laughs> Everyone talks about that. Well, it's not even on the screen if you watch it. Is there's the ball and fuller, and then next thing you see, a, a, a some version of Superman coming through the air, and it's Soul taking out yeah. Fuller. But if you notice, he actually does get the ball first. It, it does. You're right. It looks yeah. worse than it is. And Fuller's oh, a big boy. He can handle himself. 
Yeah, well, funnily enough, actually, I um, ended up playing with uh, Rovers with uh, Liam Lawrence, who come through, and it popped up one time, and he stood there trying to push. I think it was Robbo or something like that who got there first, and it was just like, yeah, it's, it's just one that you cracked me up. But um, yeah, go, going back to Kev, just in a wand of a left foot, probably one of the nicest humans uh, I've ever encountered. Just, just a really, really top guy. We become um, obviously moving down to Torquay's and. It, the bottom end of the uh, bottom end of the southwest, and the good thing about talk is also the worst part about talk, talk is that you are isolated. Um, so as a as a group, you had to make sure. And the Bucks did a brilliant job of it. Uh, was making sure you had the right type of people in and around that squad. And Kev lived four doors up for me. Moved down the same road. Um, we still speak probably once or twice a week now. He's head of coaching at Exeter. Our wives basically do the same the same job. Uh, and they got really close. They're like best mates as well. So firm family friends. So I mean, it was that where you encountered um, Kev at, at, at Torquay. Yeah, he, he says he says that we played against played against each other, but I can't remember him after. To be honest with you, he must have been fat, dumpy left back. I would have remembered that. I remember when we played Northampton. It was the first time. So it was the first season I broke in, and it was the year we got relegated. And uh, I remember Stevie coming off the bench for Northampton. And uh, I was only wet to the whistle. I didn't know really anything about Stephen. And the ball broke to him. He took a touch. And I remember just absolutely flying through and him landing on top of me. That was probably the worst thing I could have done. I was about 10 stone (laughs) dripping wet. And a big Stevie land on top of me. And and I'm pretty sure I had an hand around my throat at the time because it was was one of them. It was kind of that derby, wasn't it? Luton, Northampton was the derby. And it was, was, we were trying to get points. So I just remember upending him and him landing on top of me it was a great feat so you must you must have listen obviously he's one of your best mate you must have a, a, at least one embarrassing story you can tell us about him which he because he's, he, he's going to listen to this obviously isn't he if he's your oh, mate he's going to listen to it yeah he will do because he just because he just wants his name thingied so <laughs> do you remember do you, do you remember Soccer AM Marv yeah remember Soccer AM right so Helen's a massive talkie fan and obviously, That's this right. was the t- this was the side when this was the time when Twitter was just starting up. So we're all quite active on it, as you are, like using it for whatever it was, thanking the fans and all that rigmarole that everyone else does now. And even when you lose, just thank the fans. It's like, mate, you're dicing with death. Anyway, the um, Nico, I'd scored a couple of goals, and uh, Nico Nico made a bet with me on the way back, and um, <laughs> it was if. Because I hadn't scored for a while, and it was like if I get to six goals, he'll clean my house naked. And obviously, he's then tweeted it. Okay, so Hells has caught hold of this, and all of a sudden, it's blew up on Soccer AM. There's the great big. If you, it's still on YouTube, and that YouTube now it's called the Mansalizer. It's a great big carbon copy of Kev in a pinny, like naked with with his head on someone else's ripped body. Because you haven't got a ripped body if you do watch this, Kev. Right, and uh, anyway. I get the six goals. There's like a feature on it, like week in and week out. And I think I got it from the start of the season. It must have been eight weeks. I've got six goals. And um, next thing you know, Soccer AM cameras are down at the house in Torquay. The missus is coming and she's literally blitzed the house. Like it is immaculate. <laughs> it is immaculate. There's new curtains. There's pillows. There's an, I'm pretty sure at one stage she was home with a new sofa, right? <laughs> I mean, it, everything is immaculate. The, the, the most amazing the house has ever looked, right? For these soccer. But obviously, he's got to clean the house. So we've just got the little ones at the time. So the house is grabbing all the, getting in the cupboard, grabbing all these kids' toys, bringing them out everywhere. 
And then all of a sudden he's come down with a pinny, start naked underneath it and obviously clean the house. So he's on national TV with his backside hanging out. Outside, yeah, outside cleaning up the, the, the kids' houses, doing the washing and all that, all, all caught on video. Just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Fair play to him for going through it as well. Then he couldn't get Fair out play. of it, but as soon because as soon as, yeah, that, but they, you know what, you know what, lads, some lads are like, you know, some lads are like, man, nah, I'm not doing it, I don't care, I'm not doing it. So, you know what, some people would be like that, you know, they would be. Play you, can't, you can't have a segment on Soccer AM and not carry through with it. He loved it. It's more exposure for him, isn't it? He, he loved it. He loved it. <laughs> the brand. He's all about the, the brand, brand, is he? Yeah. Nico the brand. That's what that was. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So, centre-backs. Yes. Um, so, I'll go with one. Uh, well, one of, one of the two. Uh, this guy is an absolute lunatic. I'll be honest with you. You're more than likely, you would have played against him, Marv. Uh, he's had more clubs than a golf bag I'll be honest with you so you kind of narrowed it. he started off at uh, Rotherham he was oh. at Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday oh. yeah Peterborough what? Torquay captain of Bradford um, was he, he got was, he, was, he, was, he at, was he at I don't know was he at, as a kid at Tottenham was he no no uh, from he... Leicester started off at Leicester that's where he broke in at Leicester where did you play with him uh, I played at Torquay with him. Nutter. Absolute. Oh. Yeah. yeah, there you go. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. There. There's so many, there's so many so, names. You said Sheffield went, oh, no, it's not Dean Gordon. What? No, I played at not... Torquay with him. Did he play, did he play at Northampton, you say? He, I'll be honest with you, he more than likely was at Northampton. Peter Brody spent, spent a lot of time with at, under Barry Fry. He played with Curtis Woodhouse and... Sheffield Wednesday, did you say? Pretty sure yeah. it was Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. Rotherham. That's what I went Dean Gordon. R- Rother- Rotherham was Rotherham. He played under. Um, no. Anyway, he punched a hole in the door at Rotherham when he got sent off once. The only fella I know that can go in a 50-50 with Bayo, and Bayo ended up going off the pitch. I mean, nah. Guy Butters. Who? Guy Butters. No, you've got the guy a bit right. His last name's a pickle. They used to call him the pickler. They used to call him the pickler. Guy Branston. Guy Branston. Yeah, I that's why I don't. Did you? Guy, you didn't play with Guy Butters, did you? No. Guy Butters didn't play with. That's, didn't that's play why with I got guy the wrong guy. I'm thinking the wrong guy. Guy Branston. That's it. Wow. Yeah, Brando, just uh, an absolute tank. But uh, yeah, he's a tank. You've got to be careful what he says because he'll come and hunt me down and <laughs> fill me in. <laughs> but yet again. One of the most loveliest fellas. I could ring him up now in the job and say, Brano, he's, he's an unbelievable network. Networker. I just call him BT. He's always connecting with everyone. He's on LinkedIn. <laughs> he's on the whole lot. Just, just a really class bloke. Um, you know, he, he was just a warrior. Just absolute head it, kick it merchant. I used to play, obviously he played as a centre-half. I played in midfield. And the amount of times I used to get near my back and that. And he wouldn't even say anything. He knew what he was doing. But he just wanted, he saw just saw the ball and he saw a man and he didn't care who else. They were just getting flattened, whole act. And uh, it's the only bloke I know that could head it further than what he kicked it. So we, so we played a game against, um, it was a League Two game. And I remember the, the goalkeeper's kick went up and all I hear is, Brano's and he's come up and he's head-butted this ball. There was a pitcher and the, but there's like half the ball embedded into his head. It's just, it's incredible. But this ball has just literally gone 50, 60 yards. I kid you not. It's back into their half. And he shouted out from the top of her voice, 
that's what I do. That's what I do. Just completely just shot. Completely shot. He's, he's looking around in the crowd going, that's what I do. <laughs> just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And he's behind you. He's behind you. So you know you can get away with, you don't have to win your header because Brano's literally coming 30, 40 yards and then boom. But that, and I'm just going back to that Bale one. That was the biggest collision I have ever heard on a football pitch. It was literally like two steel girders, just boom, straight together. And then Brano's like, they've both gone in together. And Brano's like kind of shaking it a little bit. Bale's like, calf's gone. <laughs> Bale's calf gone. He had to go off. It was just incredible. Just, yeah, just, just the. When you say Bayo for the listeners, you mean. Uh, Adam Bayo, Akafem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was, um, yeah. Brandon, just and just if you're on a night out as well, you, you I remember him getting kicked out of a nightclub in Torquay once, and he literally had six bouncers on him, and he had a, I think he had like a Rolex or something like that on, and uh, he, anyway, it was a scuffle that must have brought out, and the Rolex has dropped on the floor, and he's got two of these blokes on his back, two big old bouncers, he's bent down, picked the Rolex, trying to pick the Rolex up off the floor, right, with these blokes on him, <laughs> he's literally. But they couldn't get him out of the club. He would not move. He was just literally, he was like a tank, just trying to get it up, trying to get it up. And I think he lost it in the end. He was absolutely tamping. But um, yeah, just a really good character. Just a great character. And, you know, the stories, you know, he had, um, used to say, he used to advise with the younger lads gambling. He had a gambling addiction. He lost a lot of money when he was playing, I think, in the Peterborough card, um, card schools they had. And um, went into rehab and stuff like that and come out obviously better for it the other side and he's always a big advocate that of that now with um especially with young players as well especially when we were at Torquay we had like the likes of Elliot Benyon coming through and he caught him in the bookies and that he'd, he'd have him a really really fantastic fella but yeah. you know a complete nut bar to boot as well but a lover a really lovable nut bar yeah so what what caused you to go down to Torquay because it's kind of obviously released from Luton and then to go down to Torquay I mean it's a it's a bit of a, like you said, it's the, I love it down there. But, yeah. but you went, sorry, sorry, Andrew, but you went, was you released by Luton? You went to Oxford first, didn't you? And then you I went to Torquay. Yeah, so fun, funny enough, it was the, I remember that last year at Luton and we're absolutely flying, absolutely flying. I, I think I made maybe one substitute appearance at Torquay, um, funny enough, and that was my only time I played. And I, the likes of, um, Kev Foley was emerging obviously Kino Stephen O'Leary were break, was breaking through Mike Leary were then breaking through so for me I kind of missed that that boat to then go and elevate again uh, I spoke to obviously I think it was Newley at the time and he'd said if we go to obviously if we get promoted we want to keep you there so I'm right okay and then as it was got hauled into the office um, told I wasn't going to get a, a, get a contract but you kind of knew it was happening anyway because I was sent out to, funnily enough, I went to Bristol Rovers on a trial game uh, and I pulled my groin there, come back three weeks later, I went to Oxford and played as a right back at Oxford um, because I, I think I think you were in charge of one of the games, Marv. We played Millwall in a reserve team game. I think Steeny took it and you were assisting him with it. And uh, I played right back in that game and I think Brian Talbot was there watching it and he wanted... So I went and played in this game and then it then got released. I was let go from Luton. I ended up signing for Oxford. I played a season there at right back. Fell out with Jim Smith a little bit. Um, Oxford got relegated that year. Fell out with Jim Smith a little bit. And he, he was pretty much like, right, OK, if you want to go, just go sort of thing. And so I spoke to Ian Atkins previously. Uh, yeah, I ended up signing down there. 
So kind of went down there, had a look. My agent agreed a deal. And as he was agreeing the deal, the chairman at the time brought a puppet out. So my agent had to speak to the puppet. Uh, it's, a, it's a famous puppet down in Torquay. It was the owner at the time, Mike Bateson. And he had to negotiate my contract with a puppet. It was just, it just yeah, just insane. <laughs> just insane. While I'm, while I'm walking around the pitch, he's upstairs in the boardroom negotiating with a puppet. And I'm walking around with Ian Atkins. And it, Ian Atkins is literally yanking weeds out of the pitch. <laughs> I looked behind at one stage, it was a patches <laughs> where he's yanking all these weeds out of a pitch. And I thought to myself, what am I doing here? But little to be old, it was probably, you know, a fantastic eight years that after sign of, uh, you know, it was, it was just a brilliant time. We had our kids down there. She, uh, my wife, Cheryl, well, she was working in the city at the time, um, working for Deutsche Bank. And I remember driving back with my agent and just said, I've just signed for Torquay, love. And she's been like, I didn't even really consult her. And uh, she was like, right, okay, so that's actually happening. And I was like, well, yeah, it was an opportunity to stay in the league again, which was brilliant. I was then going to go back and play in midfield. And uh, yeah, eight years later, she had to, she left the job in the city and started up her own business. And we had two kids down there and had eight really good years down there. Lance, I mean, I just want to go back to the start where at Luton, where like, like you said, you spoke earlier on, everyone was grounded and it was one of those places where like the dressing room like kept your feet on the ground which I mean all the lads were and you were especially you but you did break into the team like like you said as an apprentice and I I saw you obviously emerging as like in, in back in the day I'd say probably like a, like a, like a wonder kid like you was going to go on to be like the next like million pound whatever and go higher and higher and higher so yeah. i mean you scored i mean was it was it you i'm trying to think who you scored goal like like for a young kid was it you got into the team and scored like a rake of goals from midfield yeah i first broke in and i was i think it was 6 and 18 maybe something like that i remember scoring on my debut and then scoring on my home debut it was a, a really questionable overhead kick uh and that was i think that was joe's first game and i ended up getting two in that game and I think we, it was against Swansea, we won 5-3. And Georgie scored an absolute peach of a goal. Uh, I got to Keith Rowlands, remember him? Yeah, he keep your guy, Te yeah. Yeah, technically, what a love, what a footballer. And um, yeah, we ended up winning 5-3. The lad got a hat-trick who played for Swansea, finished on the losing side, I remember that now. And um, yeah, I got 6-18, six, six I think it was that season. Started off the following season. But I think it was... I had. I don't like making excuses. I should have. I should have kicked on and, be, and been better. Um, that summer, I lost my gramp, and that really. I didn't. I didn't know the. I didn't really get the ramifications of it. It was the first. Um, like my gramp was basically. You know, we were. We were really, really close, and uh, that kind of hit me for six when I should have been concentrating on on the football, and really, you know, trying to like you said, trying to trying to kick on again. I just couldn't get myself going. I think I played 13 games to start off with. And uh, and then obviously Joe, had, Joe, Joe was in at the time. Mick was in. There was a great big overhaul of players. I started the season off. And for whatever reason, I think it, we played a game at home, actually. I come off the bench. and Myself and Boise come off the bench, actually. He was playing right back. I, I ended up playing right wing for a lot. And uh, I remember a lad coming off the back of me. And he ended up, I think they ended up scoring off the back of it. And... Um, I just remember Mick absolutely blazing me. And after that, it was just kind of, I'd lost confidence in everything I was doing. And I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't get some, 
where's a where's I think that at that time John had gone as well. John was a, a really pivotal person for me, at, um, along with Paulo, and I just needed a little. I think I just needed a little. Looking back on it now, I just needed a little arm around me just to say, look, are you all right? Like sort of thing. Now, I mean, gone are the days. Back then, it was kind of as you know, you you were you were put in single swim, mm. um, but I didn't realise the ramifications that obviously the death of my grandpa that yeah. had on me until I looked back and then. I got back into the team under uh, Newley. Um, I started off the season really, starting off pre-season really well. I remember we played Spurs, I think it might have been, uh, in a home pre-season friendly. And I remember the lad, David Galbraith, he basically come out of nowhere. My ankle just completely ballooned. I remember Julie at the time, the physio, I was sat, I had to come off, I was sat. And this, it just, she was just saying, right, you fractured that. It's, that's a definite fracture. It would have been easier if it would have been a fracture, but it was basically all the ankle ligaments had been ripped off and it was just a hell of a mess. So I missed a, a large chunk, got back in under, under Newly, played a, played a good chunk of games that season. But then uh, I, th- I think, I don't think I was mixed cup of tea, let's just say that, as, as a player. Uh, and obviously he then come back in, do you remember, towards the end yeah. of... Yeah, and then all of a sudden I then started to get phased back out of the team, team again and... I think I probably needed someone to to put an arm around me and also give me a rocket as well, because like you said, I was I was having teams like I knew I was having like teams like Arsenal were coming to watch, Aston Villa were coming to watch, and you know we had a really good nucleus of young players at the time, like obviously Tails, Springy, Boise, uh, Liam then went on to Sheffield United, and you know I was kind of the the youngest one out of that group that was coming through, and I just. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. As I said, it was, it was one of those pivotal moments that, I, when you look back on it now, did it have a major effect? Possibly. Did I understand at the time? No. It was just a case of I bought a house and I was living there, and I'd lost an important person in my life, and probably didn't know how to deal with it. I probably went out too much on a Tuesday night, and probably on a Saturday night, and probably lost myself a little bit, which then lost a little bit of me in terms of my progression right. and, and how I was going. Okay. Uh, and and yeah, like you say, it's one of those things that you have to look back on. It's yeah, and and at the time you didn't you didn't comprehend it, but yeah. So we'll so move to centre back. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Eh? I, 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 had to, I had to change the discussion. Eh? It is no, no but it's important that people hear these things because you almost think some you think that a lot of people think football is robots and uh, and it doesn't affect them, but clearly it does, and uh, and if it affected. Me and my day job, something like that. There's no reason why it shouldn't or wouldn't affect you footballers yeah, think, in your day job. I think, yeah, I think back in those times, it was kind of mental health and all that sort of stuff as not, wasn't prevalent. And it was just a case of get on with it, sort yourself out. Uh, and if you're looking at all like that, I do the AYA course and all that sort of like all that FA learning stuff basically centered around mental health. And, you know, even when I come out of the, come out of the game, I really struggled when I, First, can when I first retired, getting used to you know obviously coaching, but not being part of that day-to-day playing environment, really, really struggled with that. Um, as I say, you know, you can I can use it as an excuse, but really, I should have. I wish I'd have had someone that got hold of me and give me a little shake and said, "Hey, you've got a chance here to to go and do something." Yeah. Um, I still went on, and I'm very proud of what I've done. Oh, of course. Throughout my career and and what we've what what myself and my family have achieved throughout it but obviously you know like like I said you I was destined to be that next big one and I wanted to be that next big one but just 
that kind of that kind of threw me for six really. And when when you're there and you're two and a half ways hours away from your family and uh, you're in an environment where you didn't really talk about much, so yeah. you know you kind of got on with it. And that's not excuse. I should have pushed on a little bit more. Should have you know looking back on it now, but it's stuff I can learn from that past experience and put into the players now. Definitely. No, but the, the the good thing is that, that the reason I answer that question, man, is because I know there will be listeners from the era and like, oh yeah, I remember Lee Mountain. So he was the, 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 do you know what I mean? And you just yeah. going through that explanation of maybe one of the reasons why it wasn't is that, oh, okay. It, it helps them to understand really, oh, not what happened to him. Cause like you said, you went on to have, a, in my opinion, a very good career, but it explains to them why, oh, maybe that's why he didn't go on. Cause it, it, he's explained it now, but yeah, thanks for going through that. For a- that's all right. I was there for five years and played 50 times. So, you know that that there tells you I should be I should have been looking at 150, 175 in terms of appearances, and maybe I maybe I was very comfortable in my situation, if that makes sense. I yeah. Luton was all I'd ever known from 11 years old. I from 14 to 15 I was going up at half terms. You'll probably remember, Marv. We'd yeah. we'd go up as and become basically apprentices for the week, and we'd do that. And I remember going up my very first time. I think it was I was sat in the dugout where there used to be. Obviously, before they moved them over, and I remember the Astrid Surf, and it went 12 13, something like that. And I remember Dwight Marshall running past, and I still remember it now because I just remember the size of his calves. They were just, <laughs> I still I can still picture him now with his trainers on, pony gear on, running in his calves. With the, I was thinking, and I was just a dot, and I was thinking, oh my. and I just watched, I sat there and I watched training. I must have been 12 13. Lowy was, Lowy had brought me up to for a day to come and watch. and I sat there just in awe and I thought, this is what I want to do. And from 11 years old, I'd just been, I'd come up, my mum and dad would drive me two and a half hours up on a Sunday morning. We played Arsenal's and sort of thing. We had a, a really good youth set. Obviously, the, the academy is well famed for, for, for putting out players. But as I say, from 14 to 15, we're always in that environment. And it was probably me being very comfortable in that environment. I should have gone and pushed myself and left Luton sooner than what I did. I mean... I took I took a year I took another year deal when the club went into receivership and all I had to do was go in, take out knock off ten percent of my wages because I was so comfortable and I thought oh, I could get in here instead of really you know taking the ball by the horns and going right if I'm going to go in the mountains I need to get out of this place it was just I think it was just being comfortable in the environment and yeah. and also knowing I've been there since I was eleven. But what age? Then just I mean, we're going we're to move on because we've digressed. But what age was you though then? When you like you said that when in administration, you still young. Do you, do you know what I mean? So you didn't probably have yeah. the experience to think, oh, this is 20, what I, I think should. It was 20, 22, I think twenty two because I left I left Luton when I was twenty three. So I'd had good twelve years of being involved in the club through the academy um, all the way through. Obviously, I, I was a pro for four years, five years, I think. And 50 appearances really is, when you look back on it, it's a hell of a lot of wasted time. But it was a fantastic time. It was a fantastic time that gave me... You never, man, you would never, you've never met me. Well, there is that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I said to I said to Bucks, right? I said to Bucks, I went and watched the game. Um, and I said to him, I said, Bucks, is, is the Volley's gym still there? I talk about the Volley's gym all the time. Yeah. It was literally one of the greatest places on earth. Like, I, if, if someone said, right... We're all having a volleys afternoon, okay? We're having a volleys tournament back in the old Oak Road, right? I don't care what time of day it is, I'm there because I just want to encounter that feeling again of just being, the smell, the mustiness. It was just a fantastic place and it just bred players. You, you, it was so underrated. 
But it, it, lose, it, it, oh, I'm sorry, go on, carry on. No, yeah, sorry, carry you, on. Yeah, you just lose hours in there, wouldn't you? Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah you we're, were playing, players and it also killed players. It, 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 yeah, of course it did. It, it, you you learn to be strong in that environment. Yes, let me tell you that. Exactly. Now. But it was brilliant in terms of you know these kids just don't know. They just don't know. No, just, that, that, was it, was the, it Kevin Foley? I think would loved it as well. He he yeah, told us Kevin, about tra- changing the carpet, ripping the carpet up, changing and still when they the did that. Turf, the yeah. That added well, a different dimension. That added a different dimension. There wasn't so much bounce in there, and it went in the al- alcoves. It, it stopped suddenly. But just what a brilliant place! You, you you'd go in there as an apprentice, and you'd be done at half a six. I remember missing buses and having to get cabs back, and handed <laughs> my receipt in for a cab. And uh, we were in the volleys, and then obviously John Moore was always constantly in there. And then when Morsey left, Steenie was in there. You know, you play against John Moore, and it. it He'd been in there for that long. His hair would come up the back of his head like that. It was like a radar. And you knew you were in trouble when that happened because he was like, ping, 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 ping. He was just brilliant in there. Absolutely brilliant. The, vo- the Volley's Gym is, is one of the most famous rooms ever in the history, probably yeah. of the of the Luton Town Club. I mean, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there's there's some sort of like head tennis thing going on at most clubs now but I don't think it quite has the same effect when it's outside on a nice grass it wouldn't I don't think it's the same that Molly's gym just was like you had the walls like you said the alcoves and it was just the, the set in itself made it yeah the place it, it was just, it, look back on it it was horrible dank smelly but it was brilliant it was ours it was, it was what we spent hours and upon hours and they're just but you don't realise the repetition that you're going through and your touch work and you, things like that that just make players. It's just, just a brilliant environment. Yeah, definitely. So move to the other centre-back next to Branston. Yes. So one you would have played with, I think, Marv. One I definitely did. Um, started off at Luton as an apprentice. Uh, is currently at Derby, West Brom, Aston Villa. You know, you know now. Um, I put this player in there because I just think He's just, yeah, again, he's just a, an absolute warrior. He went from probably being released at Luton. I don't know if the story's been out there. Probably being released at Luton. His dad fought for him uh, to be given a chance. He, he, he was given a chance and then he just catapulted up. And just, yet again, just another fantastic bloke. Really good bloke. I got in team of the year, um, 2012, and he'd got in there as well. And we bumped in together just at the, at, at the top and... You know, it was like it's like you'd we'd only been playing like probably two, I'd only seen him like last week. You know, just right. a, just a really, really, really just fantastic bloke. Curtis yeah. Davis, yes, yeah. yeah. obviously, is, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think the the, the time when it came to light was with Newley. Was when Newley saw him. I think it was one preseason, just like pounding up this hill, like they like everyone went up a hill, like an incline, but it was like Kurt is was running on the flat surface. That's what yeah. it looked like to Newley, and he was just the athleticism what stood just out. An, yeah, at first. Just, a, just a pure athlete that made the very, very best of obviously of his ability, and I think he would probably be because I mean, when he was first in the first as an apprentice and under eighteen, he was in the same youth team as as our Richard, and uh, you think to yourself, how the hell has that lad gone in and played in the Premier League? You know, it was just. But you, you you look at him now, he's just that, like I watch him play for Derby now and he's what 36 and he's still stand out best player for him. Just absolutely maximized everything. And he's also been captain at so many places. Yeah. I mean, he was he's captain just, at Holes, Yeah, captain yeah, at captain Hull Hull when Hull. they were in the, um and then obviously captain I think he deputized at Leicester for a bit and then captain now at um Derby. 
Yeah. Villa did he captain Villa as well, didn't he? Villa? Captain at Villa yeah. as well. And he's he's had some fantastic moves, went for big money as well. But as humble as they come, just just you know, just a fantastic bloke. I could message him now on Instagram or drop him a message and ask him for a shirt and want to be sent off in the post. Just a really good bloke again. Fantastic. Oh, so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna pause here. And then when we come back from the break, we will hear um, from Mars 60 Seconds and the rest of Lee Mansell's My Best 11. Hi, my name is Kevin Nichols. Hi, my name is Kingsley Black. Hi, my name's Rebecca Lowe. Hi, my name's Tony Thorpe. My name's Graham Alexander. I'm David Oldfield. Hi. My name's Steve Davis. My name's Carl Emerson. Hey, it's Emerson Boyce here. Hi, my name's Stephen Robinson. My name is Andy Kiwamia. And you're listening to my best. And you are listening to my best. To my best. 11 podcast. And you're listening to my best 11 podcast. Welcome back to the second part of my best 11. I'm going to hand straight over to Marv for Marv's 60 seconds. Just whatever comes into your head straight away, Lee, just answer away. Over to you, Marv. Okay, quick fire questions, man. Favourite other sport? Cricket. VAR or no VAR? No VAR. Penalty kicks or golden goal? Penalty kicks. Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. If you wasn't a footballer, what would you have done? (laughs) Why is that always a question? (laughs) Probably in the armed forces. Okay, all right. Definitely nothing Um, involved in a computer. (laughs) <laughs> best ground you've played at Wembley Luton versus Yellow Team or Bristol Rovers versus Bristol City or Torquay versus Yeovil Plymouth which derby game well I've seen I've seen Luton versus the Yellow Team and that was uh, I remember watching that from the stand they were involved you never played in one you never played in never, one never played in oh. one no never played Okay. The only derbies I played is Torquay, Exeter, Torquay, Plymouth, yeah. um, and they, they were they were quite feisty, but nothing of that scale, shall we say? Okay. Bundesliga, La Liga, or Syria for quality? La Liga. If you could play for one team, any team, which team would that be? Liverpool. Ooh, and one more. Okay. And the best player you have seen live, best player you've seen live in in the flesh. In the flesh, Ibrahimovic. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's picked him. Thank, thank goodness for that Ajax. Is that, it was, is that, was that in the Ajax game? <laughs> Mate, when he flicked that ball over Curtis's head and volleyed that in the top bin, my good <laughs> Lord. Feel like that. Just get me off the train here. Get me off the train. I don't want to get off. This is ridiculous. What an occasion, though, eh? Yeah. I know, well, listen, to have them and, like, and some of those players, I mean... Again, I mean, I was watching, obviously, but it was literally a fair, as a masterclass. And then, but the, the lads went on to have a very good season that season, didn't they? Everyone was yeah. thinking, oh, why on earth would, would they play Ajax? What was the scores? Like six, was we it? Lost, or five? No, we lost 4 nil. it was. 4 nil. was good it? Job, okay. But yeah, good job I can remember. It was a lot. Yeah, but it was the last game, though, wasn't it? Before yeah. the season started. They had, they had, they had, two, team, they had two teams out. So, like, first team was, like, Van der Vaart, Maxwell... And then uh, the second lot come on. It was Schneider, Ibrahimovic, and you just like, my good lord! I've got a really good picture of me actually muscling Schneider off the ball. I'm like, ah, stop. yeah, okay, I'm going to frame that one. <laughs> How many times do you tell the, the Gloucester players about that? About I haven't muscling them yet? I haven't told them yet. I keep, I keep on the YouTube. I just keep putting my pen on that one and just keep playing that one. <laughs> 
Awesome. So you stumbled across the answer, the question that everybody does about what would you have been if you wouldn't have been a footballer? And I think that's stumped everybody so far. What do you mean? Why the army? You need to dis- think discipline? He probably, he, he probably, he's probably the real life Forrest Physic- Gump. Physically yeah, fit? I, I, I think physically fit. Yeah. I think, because, uh, yeah. I think it would just been one of them. I would have either gone with, done whatever my dad was doing. Um, or more than likely joined up and, and served in the military because you know, who doesn't want to go and play with a gun? So, uh, yeah, it would have probably been that. And also, I like things quite regimented as well, you know, getting into that that kind of work ethic as well as from being where, where I was. Yeah, I would have, I would definitely, I probably would have gone into it and had a good go. I always wanted to be a pilot when I was growing up and have the brains for it. And Liverpool fan, like Mark. Massive, massive Liverpool yeah. fan all my life. So, do you remember? So, everyone says to me, How can you support Liverpool when you're from Gloucester? I'm like, do you remember back in the back in the day? You probably played in it, Marv, to be fair. It was that long ago, right? Um, there used to be like a six-a-side tournament on a Sunday night. Yeah. yeah. So I remember. So they play on that you play on the Saturday, wouldn't you? And then select few would then play on the Sunday. And I remember Luton playing Liverpool. And I was sat there with my dad, because my dad's a massive Chelsea fan. And uh, and I said to my dad, I said, whoever wins this, I'm gonna support. And Liverpool won. And so from that moment, probably, I think it was probably four or five, I've supported Liverpool ever since. Never wavered, even through the, the bad times. What, can you remember what year that was then? Was that, that was against Luton, that was? Yeah, it was against Luton. I, I remember it. I was sat at home with our old man's TV, just sat captivated by it. And I just, yeah, I, I, I can't remember what it I was. Remember, I remember the one when... I was young, young. But Luton, Luton beat like Liverpool in the Soccer Six. You're not talking about the Soccer Six, are you? I don't know what it was. All I remember, it was like an ice hockey rink. Yeah, I think it, I think Luton um, beat Liverpool in the final. No, so maybe no. maybe they got to find two finals then. And the year you watched it, Liverpool won then. I don't know. Because I didn't, I, I mean... It, it was it was Luton-Liverpool. And I said to my old man, whoever wins this, I'm going to support. Because it was just captivated. Sunday night TV, which was brilliant. Right. right, and then I just said whoever's going to be in it, and it was Liverpool. I probably got it wrong, <laughs> to be honest with you. I probably got it wrong. I just ended up supporting Liverpool just to annoy my old man. That's more. That's more likely a story, knowing kids. Yeah, more, yeah, more, more than likely. I just remember it clear as day. Just, just, yeah, Sunday evening. Fantastic. So we'll move on to your midfield. Where do you want to go, yeah. centre or sides? Wherever you want to go. We'll go. We'll start right midfield. Yeah. Okay. So. This lad, I played with him at Torquay. Uh, he played for Bristol Rovers. He played for Leighton Orient and played for Exeter City. He is a Northern Irish uh, under-21 player. Well, Irish, you say? Northern, Northern Irish. Irish, yeah. I think oh, he's Northern Irish. I thought he was um, a centre-midfielder. I played with him at Torquay. I thought he was a centre-midfielder. Not um, O'Kane, is it? No, okay. not no. But good shout though. The good shout though, because he is in my other one. <laughs> He's in one of my oh. midfield positions. <laughs> oh, should, should we shall we start on him then? If we, we'll we, start on you, okay? Start on you, start on you, obviously. Yeah, you, Unan yeah, came Unan. over. You, yeah, Unan come over under Bucks. Um, obviously went on to to Bournemouth and then to Leeds. Just uh, and then to Luton as well, I think. Yeah, and then to Luton, and he got a really. Uh, he had a really bad leg break. I think, funnily, funnily enough, against Bristol Rovers, it might have been. Um, I think James, him and James Clark went into a tackle and uh, he had a really bad leg breaker. And um, yeah, and it, just an unbelievably talented young man. Where did he come from again? 
So Buck's, Buck's got him over from Ireland. He was in a team in Ireland and he'd come over. And um, yeah, he, he come in, he, he, was only, he was only a dot when he first come over. And imagine we used to train, we used to train at Newton Abbott Racecourse when we were down at Torquay when he first signed. And he's turned up there. It's absolutely chucking it down with rain. The, the kit's like well baggy on him. And um, yeah, I think it was one of them sessions where it was just a mud bath. And I was thinking, this kid ain't going to last. And just all of a sudden, he kind of did that season, come back for pre-season, and it just absolutely hit. You could just see the undoubted quality on of both feet, the way he struck a ball, the way he saw things was, was brilliant. And Bucks did all the right things with him as well. Dropped him in, dropped him out. And then he had an unbelievable season. We, well, to be fair, we all did under Martin Ling. Uh, I think I got 13 that year. Unum, I think, was responsible for, must have been eight or nine of them for an assist. He was, he was definitely in double assist for, for that season. He was just, at times, just unplayable. I remember him picking one up on the half turn, probably 40 yards out. We were playing Plymouth in the local derby and uh, he just lobs the keeper. And great quality. And also, yet again, and just another really good, really good lad. Really good. Just I think Bucks has mentioned him before. Um, to me, not. I mean, just, just. I can't know why we spoke about him, but he was. He just. He, the same story you've just heard there about this. There was nothing of him and this lad, and he said he he'd come in from wherever he come in, and he said I just saw yeah. him, and it was that. It was like, oh my gosh get him signed up to get we he said he got on the phone to the chairman or whatever and said look we need to sign this kid we need to sign yeah. this yeah and, it, and it is a case of everybody sorry sorry you got it that's right no I just say he come over on trial and uh just said he turned up that training ground and we were all looking at him. and he, he'd done a couple of things you thought yeah not too bad but when he come obviously bucks and a lot of him and he come back and honestly both 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 is ridiculous so technically is it a case of so it seems like lots of clubs give him or sign him, almost going, we're going to be the club that gets him fit. We're going to be the club that that can finally stop the the ongoing issues. Because it seems like he's he's on and off injured quite a lot. Is that something that you think that will eventually I mean, you've been players through major injuries. I know um you definitely have Marv. Is that something that you think at some point it's going to come good as a I'd, as a fitness like, side? I'd, yeah, I'd like to hope so with him. I mean, what it the leg break he suffered obviously was was really really bad. I think it was a bone. It was a, a out for the skin. Sorry, it was, a, it was a double fracture, and it was it was in a hell of a mess. And it was just a, a normal 50-50 tackle, and he just it was one of them. I think his ankle dislocated as well. I think it was just a, just a whole mess. And uh, I don't think he played for two years then. Um, and I, I, I sincerely hope he does get back in and, and starts playing week out because it would be a shame for his career to obviously to peter out like that, given. Obviously, how talented he is, and you know he's, he's had some good moves as well. He's moved to Bournemouth. Bournemouth was good playing in the Prem. I remember him playing against Liverpool in FA Cup tie, and he was. You know they couldn't. The Liverpool midfielders couldn't get near him. He got man of the match, and he plays a holding midfielder. You know that that's the quality that that Union has, and it's just uh, yeah, be a shame. I, I really do hope he, he gets fit and gets back playing. No, oh, definitely. So we've gone. Well, we'll go back to we'll go back to the right, right hand side then. <laughs> You said he was Irish. You said he's Irish, didn't you? Irish. He's, uh, yeah, he's Irish. Uh, Leighton Orient, Exeter, Torquay, Bristol Rovers. He had, um, he's now assistant manager at Exeter. He was part of the promotion winning side. And he was actually, the last goal for Torquay was actually the one who made the assist. It was an unbelievable cross for Tim Sewell's header. I don't, I mean, I don't know if he's a striker or is a midfielder. Is, 
Nicky Rowe? No, close though. He was a midfielder. He was at York. It was Wayne Carlisle. You always haven't done your research, have you? I'm annoyed by that. <laughs> well, hold on a minute. You think I'm just plucking Nicky Rowe out of, out of a big bum bum? No. These are some of the names I'm trying to I'm trying to memorise when I had them written down in my head. I'm thinking mm, midfielder, midfielder. I'm having to remember four. How many clubs is it? Torquay, Luton, Bristol. Four. Yeah, but there's a lot of players, Mance, you still played with. And yeah, you got I, your I 11, I, don't forget. Yeah, I didn't get around a lot, Marv, to be honest with you. No, didn't get around. No. <laughs> I like to stay in one place. <laughs> no, but that's like, a rarity. That's a real rarity. I mean, what? Why? How come you stayed around at um, Torquay for so long? Apart, was it just love of the area? Was it the family situation, or well, we, we was there ever a chance to go anywhere else? Uh, I did have the chance when we failed in promotion uh, in League Two to get to League One. We just missed out. We lost to Cheltenham in the playoffs. And there was yeah. talk of Shrewsbury um, offering us a deal. And at, at that time, they were paying good money. It was just a case of ju- we just loved where we lived, basically. And it was just, I'd never really, that like we were saying earlier on, I'd never then gone on and pushed and pushed and pushed uh, to get to the champ. And I just thought to myself, there's no real progression to get into that. I was just turning 30. Um, life down. It, it is a beautiful part of the world. And I probably stayed probably a, probably a year too long at, at Torquay. And my last year, things started to get a little bit sour. Obviously, I was captain at the time. They, they went down and, um, yeah, I, t- I had a lot of flack and ended up having a, a lot of rows with supporters and stuff. And rightly or wrongly, I, I, was, the, I was the captain of the ship and it was leading it, it, was leading it down to relegation. Um, yeah, as I said, there was a couple of opportunities to leave, but, you know, we, we just enjoyed life down there. For me, I, for me, I've never, ever made huge vast amounts of money where I can or never been in that situation to do it so I was just always at the thought of you know if I'm enjoying myself down here and we're enjoying ourselves as a family just continue with it keep in, keep enjoying life because wherever it comes to anyway I'm going to have to work whether it be yeah. on a building site whether you know unless I hit the lottery but I probably still end up working anyway because it's just the way I'm built I just I just need to work so um, as I say I, I, I knew Probably around 25, 26, I was never going to, unless I was at a club like a Bournemouth that went bang, 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 bang really quickly and I was part of that journey going up. Um, I just I just knew from that, around that age that, that I wasn't destined to obviously to, to go to those heights. Yeah, and you didn't fancy telling your missus again you're going to sign for, for a for a team up north and go, oh yeah, we'll sign there without telling her again. <laughs> like you did with no, Torquay. <laughs> no, no, I didn't fancy that. I didn't, but yeah, I didn't want that twice. <laughs> that look, you had that look once in your life you don't need it twice yeah oh no there was plenty of times that you brought me down here it's like but look you live by the beach yes it's like, <laughs> a bit, like you're back in australia there you go exactly exactly just a lot stonier yeah <laughs> awesome so um we'll go to left hand side left hand side so the bloke i picked i played with him at bristol rovers uh part of the promotion winning team from the conference he played for, um, yeah, he's, he's probably most well-known playing at Hartlepool, uh, probably one of the lankiest left-wingers you've ever seen in, in the Football League. Spent a lot of time in the Football League at Hartlepool. Played at Rotherham as well. I thought Liam, no. Lawrence, I thought Liam Lawrence was a shoe in here no, for the left-hand no, side. No, so that's just the name. And I only played with Loro they- probably 10, 15, 10, 15 times. Yeah, but- that's, what, that's why you, you, you're thrown by the way you've, by the fact you pick personalities, a lot of people pick 
Yeah, names. I just uh, yeah, people. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that way round. No, no. I think you just. Go on, you have to give it to us. I'll give it you to you, give... and Andy Monkhouse. Another name. Another yeah, one. Some yeah, name. yeah. yeah you'd have played against him probably when he was coming through at Rotherham. Mm. Um, I picked Andy because a he was my roommate at uh, at Rovers, and also during that time he was a key part of the changing room. So there was myself, Mildy, Mark McChrystal, and Monks. We kind of led the changing room, and he was, you know, he was just brilliant. He was, I wouldn't say an enforcer. I would say he was, you know, we had, we had the enforcer. He was your captain in Macca. Um, then they had obviously myself, Mildy and, and Monks, who basically just just led everything. And we, we were driven by, we all had the same ethos. We were driven by standards and how we how we all saw the game, the work ethic. We keep the young lads in tune, but also educating them like we were educated coming through. Because uh, as I say, when you, you look at the likes of Tom Lockyer and stuff, but they were all educated us like we were under Marv. And the, like that time at Rovers, we had an, another good group of young ones coming through. And Monks was a was a huge part in that. He also weighed in with I think about into double figures of goals and, and stuff. And he, yeah, he, he was a really really big player for Rovers. So much so that when he left, he went and joined Grimsby the year after. Um, couldn't agree a deal. He, he was missed for a certain amount of time. Um, so going back to yourself. What was the, it's a difficult one to ask, but I'm just going to ask it out there anyway. What was the greatest achievement you had in, in your playing career? Um, was it PFA, the PFA team you said earlier on, or was it the promotion? The promotions? Yeah, I think, well, obviously the PFA team is, is fantastic to be appreciated by your peers. And that was, that was a, a special privilege. And what you get with that, you get obviously you get the, the Grosvenor Hotel, you take your missus, lovely and stuff like that. Uh, I've probably got two, probably my debut, um, just to have, I can then say I played in a professional game of football and that's all I ever wanted to do when I was a kid. And to have that and in the crowd with my mum and my dad who sacrificed so much. Um, I think my grandpa was in the crowd at the time, my aunt and my uncle, I had a whole load as soon as I found out. Because I, I was in a gym the day before. I didn't actually train with, because it was an injury crisis at the time, Marv, wasn't there? And Lil Fachillo was the gaffer. And all of a sudden, I, I got a phone call. I had to go to, we were in a gym. I don't know whereabouts it was. I got a phone call and just said, right, you need to get out of the gym, go home. Uh, you're going to travel tomorrow. And that's all I was told until I got to, we actually got there and we'd had our pre-match and then Lil named the team, actually named the team. And I was in it. And I was like, what the, the actual heck? Like, Jesus Christ, this is actually happening. So I didn't have any time to think about it. And I remember Georgie, Liam wasn't involved. And I remember he was fuming at the time, absolutely. Uh, but he, he was just brilliant with me. He come up, obviously gave us a tap on the backside. Look, you'll be all right. Absolutely fine. And it's just such a surreal, surreal moment, to, especially when the first one goes in. And you, like when I obviously I score after the first minute and it's just just that whole game. It was just, it just seems like a, a, a complete blur. And you, just, this, you can still remember the noise and I still remember the smells and certain aspects of it. Uh, so that that one was pivotal, and probably also the the, the penalty when we got promoted at the conference, and that they just that child. It's a child of memory. It just you know it's just you, you always do it in the park. It, it, you want to score the winning the winning penalty at Wembley, and I was just that guy that was very fortunate enough to be able to live that dream. So I probably pick both of those memories as as the two standouts. You know, getting promoted from League Two with um, with Rovers and, and the way it happened under Lee Brown was just 
you'll never ever beat Euphoria like that. But you know that for me personally, those two moments for one making my debut and not just for me, but for the family and you know then the penalty as well and the ramifications that had of it and growing up as that childhood thing. And, and by that time I was married, I had all three of my kids were in the crowd and uh, and just being able to live that over again, like the, the boy watched it the other day, as I said, he's getting engrossed with football and he's done, he come across it, dad, have you ever scored a goal? So I said, this is what I did. And he was just, whoa, do you know what I mean? It was just, um, to be able to share that with him was just, just a brilliant feeling. Yeah, and that, especially to have a lot of fans travelling up to Wembley as well from Torquay because I know I went to watch I um, lived down Exeter for a while and when Exeter were having that trouble trouble I'd say trouble getting back out of the National League um, it's yeah. such a tough league to get out of and they lost one playoff final and then the year after they won it um, and just to see all the fans from the West Country just travel so far it's a, it's a hell of a way it's yeah, a hell of a way hell, hell of a trip we, I remember every trip for Torquay I think there was only Exeter maybe Forest Green everyone was an overnighter everyone mm. and you had to whoever was manager at the time had to fathom that in in terms of your travel so i think it was everything that was over three hours which tended to be anything north of Birmingham from Torquay, was an overnight stay so you can imagine you know you you were losing weekends and the, the cost implications of it were massive but um i said that definitely was a, a huge factor but yeah it was a great great achievement uh for the club, especially Rovers getting out first time, because there's a lot of pressure on that as well. Hell of a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a tough, tough lead to get out of. Yeah. Just so, quickly before you move on, just, yeah. um, man. So just going back to the um, the players, like what you, you mean, like selection. Do you, do you? I mean, again, obviously, I've never obviously had anything like that or been involved in anything like that. So that's a big, massive thing, which I think goes out of respect and shows shows you what um, sort of like quality player you were. So. Do you get notification of that you're in the team, or do you get notification that you could be in the team and that you should turn up, or how does that go about? What how do you find out those sort of things? So I, I literally didn't. So I said I remember with debuting that I just as I said I trained separately, and I think a couple of players must have got injured. And then we were doing our afternoon gym session, and literally no, whoa, whoa, man, man, you missed it. I'm talking about the the PFA team thing. The P- oh, the PFA. Oh, the PFA. Yeah, you didn't, the, say, the, you didn't yeah. say the PFA. You just said sorry, finding sorry. out about the thing, did you? No, sorry. It's obviously, see, it's obviously late head, over there. I'm, I'm thinking PFA, but I've not said the PFA. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. So, um, yeah. How did that come about? Yeah. Does, do you know that you're in the team when you're going to the Grosvenor and all that? Or is it a case that, hey, you've got a chance of maybe winning an award? It yeah, is she, good if you could turn up. Yeah, you get you get nominated. Um, there's a nomination process comes through and then basically all your peers through the season, you know, when you're filling in your card. Yeah, I know they fill that in, but like... And they, they just then get an email through to the club and say, you've basically made team, you've made team of the year and you get a load of literature. So you know that before you're going you. on the night? Yeah, you know, that, you know okay. that before you go there. And then you obviously, you, you turn up there and there's they put a little thing up on your face for about five seconds. And I, I think that was the year Van Persie got it. And um, Labyrinth was playing and obviously... Our table, my missile had, had a few wines on board. Labyrinth starts singing, she's up, like the turns around, and you know, everyone's just sat down on that. And we're, our table was just up dancing. We were like, oh, This is brilliant. We weren't going to waste the opportunity. You could all sit them all at that, just trying to be really cool. We were like, Nah, I'm not having none of this. We were up dancing. Yeah, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant night. Awesome. Awesome. Is that a bit surreal though? You just, it's, I mean, how did Torquay tell you? Literally. Sorry. Yeah. 
yeah, literally, literally over the phone. That was it. Just, uh, oh, great news, by the way, you got in team of the year. And then the best thing with Rosie Bears, obviously, Union got into that year as well. Um, Kev, Kev Nicholson also got in and Bobby Olyanek got in that year. So it was four of us that made that, that team of the year. That's what it is, all four yeah. of you went? All four of us went, yeah. All four of us went. We had a double nighter and it, it was brilliant because um, they actually paid for us to do a Friday night as well because of the distance. So the club, so the club said, listen, this is brilliant. Um, do a Friday night over there. So we, we actually did Friday, Saturday and we come back on the Sunday and then Martin Ling and Sean Taylor, who's manager in the they actually come on the table with us and a couple of players also come as well. So it was brilliant. Really, really good. Fantastic. And of course, a couple of nights away with the ki- without the kids. Perfect. What you want? There's Matt snoring that went what? on in that room. Let me tell you. It was like, ah, just pee on a fork in everywhere. <laughs> what was greater, the award or getting two nights away without the kids? <laughs> <laughs> Both equal. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I wasn't joined until... Um, we had the first night by ourselves because we, I think we had a, a, a game, I think it might have been, on the Friday evening. So they just dropped, basically dropped us in London. We had a London game. It worked out brilliantly. Had a London game. They just dropped us off in London. We had to make ourselves to the, well, I think we ended up spending the Friday night in the uh, in the casino and then went back home and then see the missiles join. Fantastic. So, other, so we're going to the last position in midfield in centre. Yeah. So, Marv, you played with him. Um he played for the yellow team. He also played for Wickham, Leighton Orient. I think it was Leeds as well, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm thinking Springy. Yep, Springy. Yeah. Matthew Springy. Matty, Matty Spring. Just um, he was he was such a help for me when I first broke through. I just I just I still watch it back now sometimes. The uh, in the day, like when I made my debut and I scored the goal, and he's basically he just grabs hold of me and starts saying to me, "Switch your head on, switch your head on," because he, he's obviously been through all these emotions before. Uh, and given that obviously there's obviously a, a couple of years of, of in terms of age difference between us playing the same position, he, he was such a such a help in that first period of my career breaking through. He was, you know, he, he was really, really just just the, as I said, just he, he was like a mentor. But he was only a couple of years older than me. Obviously, I think he broke in when he was like 16. So he'd, he played for, I don't know how many years. He was so gifted and talented. It was just just insane. Some of the stuff he used to do, some of the goals he scored as well, just brilliant. And, and he just really, really, and he, and he looked after me, um, especially in, the, in those first year, year and a half. And we had a good friendship. We ended up becoming, we were roommates. We'd drive in together and... Um, yeah, it's, 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 he paid a really pivotal point in, the, in my 18 months after breaking in. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's been on. He's been. He's been on any springing. Did we have him on? Yeah, we had a springing on, didn't we? Um, yeah. And 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 weirdly enough, it, like I, I kept asking him, and I thought he might. You know how springy he was. He's very quiet, very reserved, yeah. and wasn't. I mean, kept himself to himself, didn't he? After I mean, played the game, and then sort of like kept himself to himself. So I wasn't quite sure. If he was, if he wanted to come on, because some people it's not just not their thing. And no, very you know. very quiet. He loved his golf, didn't he? And just yeah, um, yeah. yeah just just a, just a brilliant bloke. Really, really good bloke. That a lot. Sensational. So we'll move up front to where the money's made. <laughs> yeah, and two of these blokes have got a lot of money about them now. So Marv, you played with one. You know, I'm gonna. Have, I talked about him earlier on. Um, Northampton, Hartlepool. Derby playing the Premier League, just that, yeah, again, just another brilliant bloke. Isn't he? He's a legend wherever he goes, and I, I don't, and I use that word 
sparingly, but he actually is seen as a legend. I mean, Leicester, legend. Derby, legend. Luton, legend. That's what he's seen as, isn't it? Yeah, just a, just a brilliant bloke. Um, obviously, when I was, you know, that first year, when once he signed, he's just, a, he's just one of them that just look after you. Just brilliant. And I put him in because Aves is just a great bloke. And I remember we actually he went to sign for Hartlepool after obviously he was dropping back down the leagues. He played for Hartlepool and we, we were playing at Playmore against them. And I, I can't remember who the centre, I think it was Mark Ellis. He's absolutely clocked him. There's only a young lad clocked Stevie with an elbow. And it's basically Stevie's nose has gone across, absolutely teeming with blood. And I just turned around and I've gone, but you know when you've seen that look before and it was like when, like at York with the penalty, right? He's just <laughs> tamping raging. You're not calming them down. He's, Mark, you're going to get eaten right now. I, I'm not, I can't even protect you because look at the size of him. And um, he's, he's, I've gone, Stevie, you're all right. He's, you could just see him through gritted teeth. And, it, and he just went, I'm too old for this now, Mance. I'm too old for it. He <laughs> just went... <laughs> <laughs> he just had a go- I don't think he played again after that. I think this young lad put one across his nose and he thought, oh, I can't be bothered to choke slam him. And uh, he's just brilliant, just really good. I've had some really good nights with him as well. Uh, I think we went to one PFA do, I think it was, after party, but you definitely would have been there. And it was one where we had to pay, I think it was like 75 quid. It was an I remember that, yeah. Yeah, so... We're all there, fully tucked up. We've been to the bit. We've been to the the actual show. I think Nico might have got in, or Stevie might have got in, and we all went. Everyone went, and it's just there. It was just carnage. Just, I ended up drinking double JD and Coke with uh, with Howie. And he's he's getting me to neck and back, and I was in a hell of a mess. But I didn't realise. Got a, a cab back to the missus' uh, mum's, but I, I must have been dropped off somewhere different. I don't still don't even remember. I just remember waking up the next morning and the mother-in-law going, "What are they?" And I'd got loads of um, for sale signs. I don't know why. I was just nicking for sale signs. and no idea what I was doing. And that was just a session with Howie. It was just, there was like five or six for sale signs out the front. And it was just, I was thinking, I have no, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea what they are. So I had to go and take them back the next morning. Absolutely steaming. And uh, I just fell asleep on the, on the mother-in-law's um, living room floor. And uh, that was, yeah, that was just a normal session with Howie. <laughs> I mean, did he suit no. your getting to the player himself? Did he suit your style of midfield play? Do you think? He, yeah, he was brilliant for me. He used to jump on me a lot because, as I said, I, I was lacking a lot in terms of confidence-wise to be able to. And it, it, there was certain types of balls Stevie loved, especially with that right hand side. But for me, it was perfect when I played in midfield with him because he, he could get hold, and then I could just use it. Because when you've got safe possession, you could you just know as soon as it went into Howie, he was protected, so you could just run. Knowing full well it was either going to slip you in or you were opening up a channel for someone else. So he was just really, really good. Just it, and as I said, scored all types of goals as well. You know, he, he was as equally as good with his feet as what he was with his head. So as I say, as him as a bloke, I was absolutely buzzing when in the Premier League. So he's done every single league. He's fantastic. No, definitely, definitely, and he's been picked in plenty of teams. So he is yeah. definitely seen by. Almost, almost a kind of PFA award in itself. So, um, <laughs> number of players, number of players that are picked him. So next to Howie is so this lad. I played with him at Bristol Rovers. He was a top score, top goal scorer for three consecutive seasons. 
got a massive move to Bristol Arch our rivals Bristol City on transfer deadline day. The three hundred grand is now currently playing to uh, Oxford. You, what are you googling it, Andrew? What are you doing? No, I'm looking. I've got a list of. I've got a piece of paper. My phone's it was, inside. It was. Of me. It was also at Forest Green as well. My phone's here. He started off at Forest, Forest Green, got let go. Uh, Rovers signed him from um, North Lee, I think it was. It might be. He was started off at North Lee, went to Forest Green. Rovers signed him. Then he went to Ooh. Bristol City for three hundred grand, and now he's at Oxford, where he was an apprentice to start off with. Oh, no! Is he Welsh? No, English. Oh. You're he, thinking Ellis. You're he, thinking Ellis Harrison, though, weren't you? But it's not him. No, I was thinking um, Craig Davis. No, was it Craig? Da- no, he was at Oxford yeah, Craig, as a kid. Craig, he? Craig Davis was Oxford. Yeah, he's still currently <laughs> playing for. He's still currently playing for Oxford. Where did Jamal <laughs> Easter start? Jamal was Cardiff, I think, and I played with him down at Torquay. Yeah. So, it's and I not, played with his brother um, Jermaine at Bristol Rovers. Yeah, that, yeah. He was a goal it's scorer. Not, um, Matty, not Matty. Christie. Eh? Not Christie, is it? I, no. Nope. Christie. Christie. No. Still playing. Still playing. The, the player you're talking about is still playing? Still playing for Oxford United. Not Matt Green? No. He's no, he's at Grimsby, I think. I'm trying to think because Ollie is it Ollie or Elliot? One of them's at Oxford now. Lee, oh, one of the Lee brothers, one of the Lee brothers is there. Not no, no. He started, he started at Oxford, you said, as an apprentice. He, he, was an, he was an apprentice at Oxford, got let go, went to North Lee in non league, then went to Forest Green in non league. Then Rovers signed him. He scored 20 odd goals in this first season, and then he had a couple of uh, seasons where he got 20 plus, then got a massive deadline day move to. Arch rivals Bristol City, which basically kicked the whole of Bristol off. Um, and then from Bristol City, went on loan to Oxford and then signed permanently Oxford. And it's no, um, Bristol City, Bado, Bado, no, no, currently still playing. Marv, <laughs> you're thinking I, about Tony Bado, aren't you? No, no, t- no, not Tony. Um, other one, I, yeah, yeah, that is, I suppose, short, but Anthony and Tony, short, but no, I'm not going to get it. Go on. What is that? Matty, Matty Taylor, three hundred grand. He went from Rovers to City for. You've done us a doozy on these. Yeah. yeah. Well, I said to you, you're all used to looking at the big ones. You've done well. You've done well, Matt. He has. He has done well. No, you yeah. have. I had Ollie McBurney down as a shoe in for this this position Did as you? well. See, yeah, Who? again, another. Who did you put yeah, down? Another, another Ollie name. McBurney. Oh no, I thought what's his name as well. I thought um, Billy Key. He's a good player. Billy was a brilliant lad, really That's good what I'm lad. Saying. Yeah, good, good lad. Um, well, what's his name? Um, Sabrowski, Sub- I down as well. Yeah, Chris, yeah, Chris Sabrowski. Really yeah. We have our yeah, options. Good. Yeah, you See? have your options. You picked the wrong one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As I say, exactly. Matt, Matt, Matty played. You know, he was just your unbelievable finisher. Um, you know, we we thought I thought Griff used to be a decent finisher when we played with him, Marv. But yeah. Matty is probably one of the best one best ones I've ever played with. Um, you know, he's got his goals to the games. He's absolutely ridiculous, especially during his spell at Rovers. I mean, 20, 25, I think he got. I think he got 60-odd in... I think, it was, I think he won every two. And obviously got his got his move to the champ with you as well. And just, yet again, another lad who would never... He's only five foot eight, five foot nine, but punched his weight airily. Wouldn't shy out of anything. Um, tremendous work rate. And has come through after getting knocked back, has then come yeah. through, come it through. Like and it. excelled and... He's had a really good career, and it's just and yet again, he's still one of them ones now. Part of that Bristol Rovers, but we still that still to now. Do you like the the um, kind of the traditional big man, little man? Then is that what you like at Gloucester? Um, 
yeah, so that's kind of what semi what you picked in your team. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I like the I like the balance of it. A big man, little man, especially one that can obviously Matty can do both. You can you can read a flick, yeah. and obviously you've got your security with with Howie for your midfield players that can then get on. So, which um, one are you struggling to find now? In case there's a young player who wants to come play at Gloucester, which one are you struggling to find? Well, I'd like a <laughs> big six foot four. <laughs> you know the, the the north is completely different to the south. The the north is. Um, Conference North is very direct, very physical. Uh, you kind of need your man mountains in that. But we also do try and play a little bit as well to try and move the big statues around. So to have that combination, of, you know, I personally like that. You get bits of everything as well. And it, it's even better if you've got someone like Howie you, who can also play as well. You know, Matt is a fantastic, really good link player, very underrated at it, but also knows where the goal is as well. And that is, that's why he's earned a, a good deal of money. Definitely. So, there's your 11. Yeah. Next question is, I don't know if Miles prepped you up on this one. No, probably not. Which or who is the manager, the best manager you have worked under? And that doesn't have to be, or you can take this as yourself. It can be manager. We've had plenty of people pick coaches, youth coaches, um, or they pick the best person they think could manage this team. So, it could be um, anybody at all. And we, we don't have to have guesses for this. You can just... Explain yeah. like, if, particularly if you go for kind of the person who had you at under twelves kind of thing. So that yeah. and that's fine as well. Um, I have been blessed to, to have some really good, played under some good managers and had some really exceptional coaches. I, I, I go on about John Moore a lot, it, and as I said, him and Paul Lowe were really pivotal in my development. And I kind of between the ages of sixteen and twenty, kind of shaped me as a man um, and my work ethic, helping me mature as as a person. Um, yeah. But I would think if, you, if you're looking at this group, you know, it'd be very difficult to, A, keep Bucks out of it. Um, it's just a brilliant man manager. And also Daryl Clark as well, who's un- undoubtedly gone on and, and done some really good stuff. And with all the pressure that he was under at Bristol Rovers to get promoted first time of asking, to then achieve it, get promoted again, and then from the top 10 League One position, or in the case of three, uh, you know, that's, that just comes with pressure itself. So I would probably go with... With Bucks, uh, just he just slightly pips Daryl for me. Um, he just knew, he just knew all the right buttons to press Bucks. He knew the he knew considering it was his first job, he knew how to motivate the lads. He knew you know knew he knew when people needed a rollick in. He, he tactically understood the game. He knew how to mix training methods up. Uh, you know the the first year he was, he was probably too nice that like he'd offered to he'd offered to babysit oh, the kids. Um, that yeah, he'd offered nice. to babysit. He'd offer to babysit the kids, but then we, when we saw the real Bucks second year, I think he, after missing out on promotion, and he was like hell bent on that second year of doing it. We missed out to Exeter and lost four three, I think it was in the in the playoff semis. Yeah, and we he come back a different animal. He's so driven in what he does. You know, even now, like he's gone over to the states and done really well in the states, hasn't he? And yeah, he come back and he done really well with Luton. And he had a, yeah, he's not fondly remembered at Bristol. Um, but for, for me, one of the best ones. Perfect. So that moves us on to our next and final question. I, I mean, I've, well, we spoke about it a little bit before. So just for those um, supporters and teams um, where you play for who are not sure what you're doing now, man. So what, I mean, since you've stopped playing, what, what are you at now? So currently manager at Gloucester City. Um, 
I was interim to start off with. It was kind of a gamble on my part. I knew I was going to go in there and my job was to basically turn things around as, as quick as I can and, and get results. Uh, we've, we've managed to do that. So I've secured a deal until the end of the season now where the aim for me now is to try and secure thing, something going longer and try and obviously I'm, I'm now in a, a short-term strategy as how I see the club going forward. The, the ultimate goal is to try and get promoted. I still think it's achievable this year. It's crazy as it sounds. We're only, you know, we're, I think we're second from bottom at this moment. They were bottom. Um, we've kind of, we've had a big personnel of players. So I'm hoping that now starts to reap its benefits. The lads are now starting to get used to each other, building that bit of camaraderie like we spoke about earlier on and letting, allowing that changing room to, to basically police itself in terms of its standards. Um, and yeah, just, I'm really enjoying the job at the moment, really enjoying it. The curveballs that Nongli throws as well, it's brilliant, everything. And I, I didn't realise how time consuming it would be. And it's not really on the phone either. It's your laptop work. We haven't got analysts. You know, we've got to basically dig out everything we can on the opposition and try and get give the players the most amount of stuff possible to go and win the game of football. Uh, but it is, it's just a brilliant job and I'm one of So what's, what's, I mean, sort of manager, I mean, are you, man's in a, and in that respect, I mean, are you more I don't like... Wear that, I don't wear that funky gear, if that's what you're talking about. Straight tracky, Marv, and a pair of boots. <laughs> All right? You're not no, going to get an Emlo boot ons and the pet I'm t-shirts not, I'm on a, and all that. I'm on, no. about, I'm on about personality. Are you like a hands-on, literally like um, every single day, want to coach on the training field or... Are you a little bit more a back off, sort of like, and it's like you got an assistant. You're there at a training ground, but you might not take the sessions. But you're one of those ones where, when you speak, it's a case where they they know that obviously they're going to listen. Where it's not getting used to your voice every single day. So there's, I think there's a little bit of a, a level of between the two different roles someone can take when they're managing a team. Which one would you say you would be? Uh, I'm probably the more hands-on one. I do. I, I don't see the point of having an assistant if you don't let him coach. So I, I give the coach full autonomy. Like my assistant, Daffy, he's a brilliant young man. He, he's obviously very eager to, to take this opportunity that we've got, as we both are. Um, we work well together at Bristol Rovers coming up through the, the youth development bits. and So we've both got a good crack at it. Um, yeah, you know me, Marv. I just, I just I get my hands involved in anything. I, I work as hard as I possibly can and try and maximise it out of life. So... You know, he, he has full autonomy on, on terms of coaching and possessions and stuff. But when it comes to tactical stuff, uh, for me, that's the time where I step in and, and, and go hands-on with it. And we're just trying to create an environment which is a positive environment. You know, play, as I said earlier on, players are different. There's a lot of mental health issues and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, you've, got to, you've got to treat each player. Management isn't now just about, right, that's the team, get on with it. it you're also managing people, you're managing players, you're managing emotion, you're... You're managing your staff, you know, that they go through the same bits. You know, this is the, the, the aspect of the job I'm really enjoying, but it's also very challenging. Good. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, it was lovely to hear from you. And thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat to us. And hopefully, well, I know um, the listeners will love listening to this, be whichever club um, they remember you fondly from. Um, so on behalf of myself and Marv, thank you so much for your time, Lee. Um, no, and that thank you was... And that was Lee Mansell's My Best Eleven. <laughs>